hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. From the wildwoods of Vancouver Island, welcome to the Soda Pod. Isha Jerome here alongside the state of Hoppy. And thanks to everybody joining us wherever and whenever you are listening. How's it going, man? Isha, I'm at about a six right now. It's been a long <laughs> three days, uh, roasting in the sun, building a deck with uh, just me and one other person. But I, if anyone didn't see on Twitter, we've made some big progress. So I, I'm excited about that. And to be honest, uh, each beer that I have during this podcast will get me up another point. So I'm hoping to end at around an eight here before we okay. sign off. Okay, that's good. That's good. I was going to say, like coming out the bat in the intro, telling everyone you're a six. I don't know if, I don't know if that's uh, going to keep them any uh, much longer. But saying Integrity. that, you know, it's going to go up oh, to an eight. eight. <laughs> hey, and energy levels here, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm just saying that as far as my day has gone, I'm, that's right around where I'm sitting. And I okay. want to be honest with the viewers. I got you. Well, I'll be honest with them too. I'm, I'm hurting. I, I, I think for the, this is the first soda pot in a long time, which I am not, I, I cannot crack a beer live. I'm just going to keep going with the water. I'm about three and a half liters in today, which uh, is good. It's good. It's uh, it's 5.30 PM Pacific time, uh, 7.30 central. And um, yeah, I need, like I said, it's going to be an early night for me. Um, I, I've been working every single day. You know, I don't take weekends off these days. So uh, it was a late night on the after hours of the hockey podcast network after hours show. Uh, check it out on Patreon. It should be available now um, or go back and check out the live stream on Facebook. And it was a lot of fun. We had, we had a great uh, group of people from the network joined talked a lot of hockey and three hours flew by next thing i knew you know the jack daniels flew by uh the eight percent ipas flew by and uh, almost an entire six pack was consumed and you know at 2 30 in the morning i just realized like oh my god tomorrow is gonna tomorrow's a podcast day um you know i, ha- I had a date planned and i had emails to send out and uh, i i got through it all and you know met you know great you know great little date it was cut short because i am tired as shit um and got all my emails out hoppy but uh yeah um i think energy level you'll bring me up to an eight but i'll be honest with the viewers i'm probably at a six right now too but i know our guest will bring out uh bring out the best in us and i know we have some wild topics one one in which i'm pretty excited to talk about um and we do have a great first segment of the show which uh will Jump right into momentarily. I'll, uh, I'll run down the, the show here quickly, folks. We've got the hoppy hour as usual, um, and we'll run down uh, well the, the results of the poll question, the beer poll question. We're getting our beer bets in for round number, well, I guess it's round number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs, round number three of this bubble tournament. Um, then we have our guest, which I've been teasing on Twitter and on this stream, Mr. Platt from Platt's Booze Blogs of the Platter channel on YouTube, uh, beer reviewer, um, 
and everything else. He has lessons on how to, you know, brew your own beer, make your own wine and more. Um, you know, he's a liquor aficionado and uh, Hoppy had already connected with him on, on Twitter, funny enough. And uh, a few weeks back, I, I expressed some interest in him jumping on the show and we finally were able to do it today. So he's going to join us live in about 20, 25 minutes. Um, we'll end off the show with a little bit of wild talk. Like I said, there's a few topics that I want to get into. Um, maybe we'll sprinkle it in with some NHL news and then finally close off with our weekly pucks poll question. Anything right off the bat from your day that you want to highlight before we jump into the hoppy hour, sir? No, man. I think uh, I've covered it. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, one quick thing, and I did want to mention here because it, it, it just popped up on my timeline, so it's, it's just as fresh as uh, it's going to be presented here. Uh, someone in the, the, the Vancouver market, uh, a fellow media guy, uh, Justin Morissette, he does, he does great work here, producer for Sportsnet 650. He does a, a ton of uh, podcast work as well. Um, this guy, I just want to say, I won't get into the entire story here because I did share it on Twitter, but not all heroes have capes. And, and that's what I tweeted. Um, man, this guy stood up for, uh, like he says, and I'll just read his tweet verbatim here. Um, I stood up to anti-gay evan- evangelical bullies in the West End of Vancouver this evening, and they purposely broke my leg for the trouble. I don't know why I did this. I felt like it was the right thing to do and no, and no one else would. Uh, I'm going to have metal plates in my leg for the rest of my life. And he goes on to explain a little bit more of the situation and long of the short of it, you know, Justin stood up for, uh, for what he believed in stood up for, you know, let's be honest, what is right. And, um, and and was beaten up for it. And man, I'm almost at a loss of words. Like I said, not all heroes wear capes, the support that he's gotten within the the Vancouver Canucks community and media community. And some has, has been outstanding. I just wish Justin a a speedy recovery um, as I don't know him personally, but you know, people I've worked with and people I do know in the Vancouver Canucks media um, are really close to the guy. And, you know, he does outstanding work in this. Just, it's a sad story, but also one that uh, I applaud you for, sir. So I don't know. I know you don't know him and don't know much about this personally state of hobby, but I did share the article with you and uh those are my just quick comments on the matter i really wanted to share it on this platform and i don't know if you have anything else that, that maybe you wanted to add before we uh you know go into a different segment here i mean what he did is awesome but i i guess the underlying theme here is that people are assholes you know i, I don't understand why people need to go out and you know make demonstrations of hate and then when someone stands up to them they break his leg like really i don't know i it's hard to wrap your head around, but like you said, I mean, kudos to the guy for standing up for what he believes in. It's just a bummer that that's going to affect the rest of his life. Yeah. And I mean, you, you said it there, man. And uh, again, all, all the props out there to Justin that there's assholes both South and North of the border. We'll just say that Canada, you know, a lot of people say that we're the nice ones up here. You know, Canada's done a lot of wrong as well. And there continues to still be hate in this country, even, you know, some a place as liberal as the, the West coast and Vancouver in particular. So I know, you know, things, you know, um, got a little somber here, but this is real life folks. You know, I, I know sometimes you listen to podcasts and sports um, to, to, to escape and, you know, especially goofy podcasts like us talking about beer and Minnesota wild and, and other things. But um, you know, this is very close to me. It's very close to home. Um, and I just wanted to use this platform to highlight that and, uh, you know, give a stick tap salute, a hat, you know, tip to, to Justin. Um, anyways, hard right turn, but we're going to take it right into the hoppy hour. First, I'd like to propose a toast to UMD goaltender Alex Stalak. To Stalak! To Stalak! I love that stuff. Been drinking it for years. You know, I, I heard they recently decided to add more hops to it. 
You're all hopped out? Not the greatest pole filling that we've seen to date. Probably because it was a little bit more generic and vanilla, but um, the only person that actually replied and gave me a request was for uh, a brewery that wasn't even in the region that won. So uh, <laughs> kind of went over here and did my own thing. And uh, to be even more honest with all the stuff with the deck, I, I didn't go out there in person. I've been to this brewery several times though, and uh, we'll probably be back there soon. But uh, I actually mentioned it recently off of our last poll where we talked about what you look for when you're seeking out a new brewery. For me, I mean, obviously all of those things play in, but I'm a big fan of finding unique, just different styles of beer. And one that really rings that home, I think most Minnesotans would agree, is Tin Whiskers. Uh, known most for the, the beer in, or the candy inspired beers from Pearson's. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of them. They're wonderful. One of my favorite beers from them is the Nut Goody Porter. It's amazing. Um, Hoppy but, likes porters. No. No, <laughs> no way. Um, no way. No, that sounds what good. What I'm drinking right now, I'll, I'll be honest, uh, it's an IPA from them called Thunderbot and Lightning. Um, not my style per se. It's not a bad beer by any stretch, but not one that I would get again. It's you know a little bit more dank and earthy. Um, oh, okay. You know, I, I like getting a little bit more, you know, doesn't need to be overly fruity, but a little bit of that tropical fruit notes. Like I'm a big fan of any kind of IPA that has mosaic Simpo, uh, Simcoe or, you know, combination of the two. But again, it's a solid beer. I haven't had any bad ones from there, but if you're looking for weird ones, that's where you can find it in spades. I think one of their more recent ones is uh, that, pickle beer that i posted recently that i mixed in with uh bloody mix it wasn't bad i it's just very very different and i'm not gonna have more than one in a tight span but um no i do encourage everyone to get out they just recently reopened the tap room for a while it was just to go orders um get out there try their beers they've usually got a pretty stacked tap list as well they've usually got easily double digit beers on tap for you to try. Um, but I, I definitely recommend it more getting into the fall when you start seeing some of those porters and stouts come out and a little bit more support, but no, uh, that's all I had on that one. I mean, I like the funky beers. What comes to mind right away here on the West coast, um, in, in the Vancouver area anyways, in Richmond is uh, fuggles and warlocks. Now I haven't necessarily, I haven't brought one on the show yet to feature personally. Um, I have tried some of their, their ciders, which are very interesting. Um, and they, they get creative with the names and, and, and logos and stuff. I'm just the, their actual website is, um, is being changed around and is either being maintained or they're, they're livening up a little bit. So I'm just on a, a different one right now, a vanpours.com scrolling um, just to try to find uh, just an example of some of the, the funny flavors and, um, and stuff that they do. Uh, like for example, the, the Hikari Imperial dry hop, sour uh, Weiss. This one was the first introduction to a sour beer that I've had state of hoppy. And it was nothing like any sour I've ever had. Cause it's so dry that it was like, there was no, 
there was no sweetness to it at all. So that one was a very interesting one. Um, canned in like a traditional uh, like a Japanese um, style with just some calligraphy and a matte black can. Um, I was hoping actually that this website would have a few more uh, funkier ones that I could talk about, but it, it doesn't unfortunately. But I will once their website's up. I'll feed websites back up. I'll uh, I'll feature it um, on the show through the the Twitter accounts and whatnot, and I'll pick myself up some uh, some fuggles and warlocks because uh, you can just hear it in the name that they like to get funky. Um, yeah, I, like I said right off the off the hop, guys. I uh, and no pun intended there, but it was a late night for me. I did uh, I did my beer drinking last night. Uh, with Craig Granger, you know, who's joining us on the stream right now. Sup, y'all? How's it going, Craig? That uh, today I was just sticking uh, to coffee, to coffee and water. But I'll make up for it. I'll make up for it midweek, especially if uh, if Doug Bodger joins us this week, which is what we're hoping for. Um, to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, Howard Chuck, his time playing with him, uh, Vancouver Island beer, and maybe a little bit about the WHL as well. So, so that's all I got right now. State of Hoppy. Um, anything else did you want to you want to talk about in this uh, in this segment? No, just quickly add for Tin Whiskers one nice thing there too. They, they don't have their own kitchen. I don't know how often they have food trucks, but you can order what I label as Minnesota's best pizza right from the tap room there and they'll deliver it to you. Oh, Black okay. cheap pizza. Oh, what makes so it good. what what makes it Minnesota's best pizza? I'm I love pizzas, but I'm I'm not like an overcritical guy, but like I'm not put it this way, like I'm not I'm not ordering from Pizza Hut, Domino's, Papa John's, you know. I'm going I'm going one step further. And I'm like you, I'm actually probably even a step lower. Like I'll if you give me pizza, I'm gonna be happy for the most <laughs> part, as long as the toppings aren't horrible, but um, no, for this one, it, it's coal fired. They throw it in their you know, brick ovens. Like it, it, that's just the kind of crust that I'm a big fan of. I love uh, that. I love that. Man. Stone topping, oven too. Good sauce. Yep. That's it's, you know, to each their own. I can understand a couple other places that people might put above it. But for me, for my money, that's my preference every time. Okay. Crust, or I guess dough crust we'll put them in the same category cheese or sauce what what's the most crucial part of the pizza and i know everyone's gonna say well all three makes a good one i know that everybody okay i'm i'm talking what what puts it over the edge that that you know that that you would declare okay this is this is you know a step above your average your average dough or your average uh pie yeah for me it's gonna be the crust um that's just the thing that like sways so much from place to place. It's like, yeah, you can get different like flavors of sauce and different cheeses, but let's be real. If I go and try a place and I'm like, Oh, doesn't have enough sauce or doesn't have enough cheese. Next time I'm just going to say, give me extra sauce or give me extra cheese. Like that's pretty easy to fix. So I you're pretty tolerant to person. Completely fix. I can't tell them to fix their, their crust, you know? Yeah. Hey, you're a pretty tolerant person. I like that. I like that. Um, no, I mean, f- fair enough for me. Um, it's like, it's a really, it's neck and neck with, with, the with, with the dough slash crust and the sauce cheese. I mean, matzah, you know, more cheese, too little cheese. Like it's going to be cheesy. It's a pizza that usually doesn't bother me, me too much. And like you said, if you want extra cheese next time, you know, just get them to sprinkle a little bit more on there. Um, I'm just not as picky when it comes to thin crust or or more of a a doughy crust. Obviously if it's overboard, overboard doughy, like it's just kind of a ripoff. It's like, Hey, like this is not, you know, pizza is supposed to be a little bit on the thin side, but I'm not, that's not going to make or break it with me. It's the sauce, man. Like I'm, I love tomatoes. Um, you know, I, I say in Persian, 
this in this case, maybe you know, maybe uh, my people could um, think I was Italian because I'm like so into the tomatoes and the tomato sauce, and that's the first thing I taste. And that's why, like, if it's too sweet, I'm like, you know, this just tastes like someone lathered this with ragu. Which, by the way, ragu yeah. apparently being discontinued in Canada. Really, you know, some people are some people are crying over it. Some people like myself are saying good riddance. But it all comes down to the sauce because. Uh, I don't know. And maybe it's just because I'm like from Vancouver Island, a little bit more uppity in my, um, you know, my artisan style going, going to mark, you know, artisan markets every weekend and whatnot and getting the, you know, the, the, the great, um, you know, organic stuff that like the, the, the farmers make, but Hey, it's, it's that, that's what makes a break with me. Like I love perfect, amazing tomato sauce and, you know, small pizza joints can get it done. It's not hard to get good pizza sauce, you know? You just got to do it yourself sort of thing. And it's, you know, those mom and pop shops who spend the time to like make, make the sauce throughout the day or prepping it, you know, the, the day prior who really get the good pizzas out there. Oh yeah. And it's how they source all their ingredients too. So 100%. one of my neighbors, he's like the biggest foodie. Like he talks to me about all the Michelin star restaurants and stuff like that. And like, that's just like beyond my realm. Like I just <laughs> give me decent food and I'm good. As long as there's some ranch on the side. But oh, he, don't even get like, me started on the ranch so good but anyways he like harps like just loves the new york style pizza like he knows where all the ingredients are coming from and going to these places so the two i'll tip people off to if they're kind of like isha like the more traditional new york style slice not super thick and doughy um one is in edina it's hello pizza big fan i've had that as well that's kind of in that upper tier for me as well with uh, black sheep Another brand new one, though, that like opened up within the last month or two. It's called El Mar, I believe, out in Plymouth. He says it's the best pizza he's had in Minnesota, like bar none. It's not even close. And again, I don't usually care what other people's food opinions are, but he's he's got a pretty good track record with me so far. So I'll take his word for it. I've been watching so much kitchen nightmare lately. Like while I'm like sending off emails and stuff at night and hanging out with Dylan that like, I wonder if like, if Ramsey's ever gone to a place in Minnesota that serves pizza, I'll have to go through the vault now and check. Um, Dylan's actually, you know, we've been watching Ramsey uh, every now and then when we've been working and taking breaks and yeah, he joined the stream to say uh, best pizzas in Denver. We just watched one that was said best pizza in De- Denver and it was bland as uh, Ramsey would say. Um, and Dylan's telling me to chill out, chill out, Ramsey, talking about the pizza here. Um, Craig says he makes his own pizza sauce. Um, and what he's having for Can't dinner right imagine. now. No, and you know, Craig is a phenomenal cook from what I hear and, and, and see. I believe it. Um, he says he's making roast rice and gravy tonight. And he asks us, do y'all do anchovy? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind them. The, honestly, Craig, the only thing I will not eat, and everyone listening, and I probably said this on the podcast like months ago, I, the only thing I will not shove down this throat is baby corn. That's it. As far as food goes, baby corn. That's it. I don't know why. I just cannot stand like just how bitter it is and how it's just not fucking corn. It is, you know, we've been genetically modifying things to make them bigger. Why the hell did we make this smaller and more like shittier i don't know that's just what i'm saying you know uh, even in the stir fry take out the baby corn but other than that i'm down for anything man craig's giving us the laughing emojis right now (laughs) (laughs) um man like i said i'm uh i'm you know sitting at 60 percent today um going on the pizza talk trains let's let's quickly before we bring in our guest um run down the beer bets a a state of hoppy uh the the new ones that we're talking about or yeah, let's, let's... We, yeah, we, we hit pretty well 
on our last episode, uh, the only one that was still hanging in the balance was Dallas Calgary, which again, sorry, Isha. Um, <laughs> But uh, I believe you've got one that you still have to declare because it sounds like for the next round, we're both in agreement on Tampa and Vegas. I'm going Dallas and you're going Colorado. So that's going to be a new bet. And then you haven't decided yet which side you're going to take of Philly Islanders. You know what? I'm going, uh, I'm going Islanders. And I, okay. so I think, no bo- got yeah. I think both the teams have what it takes to to put this one away. I think Philly's the better offensive team, obviously, but um, and, and can have better goaltending. Though Carter Hart, you know, he still has, he's still young and and inexperienced on the biggest stage in in the when when the games matter in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the talent's there, obviously, and the Islanders they've been shutting they've been shutting shit down. And I know the Capitals' heart apparently has reported their hearts weren't in this tournament as much as you know years past in the Stanley Cup playoffs due to just everything, the atmosphere, the bubble life, all the above. But the Islanders still, you know, made them look like a junior B team. So I'm going Islanders. Well, and that's, I mean, that's one of those things though, man. Like we all know that just watching them play, but to have them come out and say it is kind of weird, isn't it? To like admit like, yeah, we just weren't really weren't into this. Like that's why we lost. Well, it's an excuse. So whether they, you know, whether there's a lot, whether the entire team well, put it this way, whether there's truth, you know, behind it in regards to the entire team, I'll question that. I don't think every player, you know, felt that way, but clearly some of the big guns did because they didn't show up. For sure. But yeah, for me, it, it comes down to Philly just not showing me anything in that Montreal series, to be completely honest. I was disappointed. Like, they looked solid in the round robin. They looked great to, you know, finish the last month or two before the pause. They just really aren't clicking. I Both those shutouts, like, kudos to Carter Hart, but, like, he didn't really have to earn them by and large. Like, it wasn't challenged. And you watch what the Islanders are doing right now, man. Like, they are buzzing. They've proven they, – they can score more than two goals in a game. I didn't think it was possible, but they can. And, yeah. you know, with trots, with the systems they play, with only allowing, you know, if you're getting – two or three goals, you're probably considering yourself lucky. So if you can't stop their offense, like watch out, man, Barry Trotz is, is doing wonders with this team. Um, it's almost more impressive than what he did with the capitals because they don't necessarily have those big guns that the capitals have yet. He's bringing out the offense in everyone. Um, Dylan keeps saying, say it, say it in regards to Kata hot. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> I, couldn't, um, I couldn't do it. Craig Granger says caps are old heads. They're getting up there, man, but they still got talent. Um, he also said, pointing out the Boston with the early goal. Oh, man, I'm not looking forward to this one. Hey, this, this next coaching hire, though, is going to be make or break for them. This is their last chance to get it right before they're kind of throwing it in on, you know, not necessarily the whole team, but you got to make some big moves at that point to shuffle things up and get a little younger if you want to have a couple more shots at it for Ovechkin. Yeah, and you're talking about the Washington Capitals, and we will get into that later in the show. Um, before we uh, bring on our guest, uh, Mr. Platt, um, let's just quickly, let's read out the beer bets so everyone knows, and then we'll uh, just one more time, and then we'll, we'll relay them on Twitter so you all can see. But uh, what do we got for round three? Round three, I'm pretty sure we're just betting. I got Dallas, you got Colorado. And that's the only one we're divided on, eh? Yep. Well, this one, you know what, and I, I, there was one or two where I was Look good. at that. Dallas can score. Wow. They finally <laughs> figured it out. 
Yeah, and with Colorado with uh, with now losing one of their netminders, it's it's not gonna. I don't know. Like, how, how do you say something? Francouz, the backup. I think it's Francouz, but Francouz. I'm, I'm honestly not sure. I saw him play throughout the regular season. Solid goaltender. Is he gonna come out? Is he gonna come and you know show again? Show well on the biggest stage when the pressure's on. I don't know. This series just got really, really interesting. And for all those you know listening, they're like, really, guys, you're only you're only going head to head on one. Listen, I wanted to be honest. I I went with a little bit of my heart in the first couple rounds, and it didn't work out for me. Um, I even you know bet on the Vegas Golden Knights to to beat the Canucks, just like I bet on the Wild to to beat the Canucks. I really think they're the better team. I hope. That, uh, that I get proven wrong. Um, so there you have it. Hoppy Hour. We ran down our beer bets. We will post uh, our beer bets again as we've been doing, as the state of Hoppy's been doing, and then sharing them on uh, on the soda pod. Dylan uh, <laughs> said he was the best kata hot, Hoppy or Isha. <laughs> You'll find out at the end of the show, Dylan. Um, Shane uh, Van Nice joining the stream says uh, the Toronto Raptors basically won. Oh, Shane, always trying to bring basketball here on the hockey podcast. It ain't going to happen, bud. Um, he said first playoff sweep in franchise history. Well, congratulations to the Raptors. You know, um, I, I'm not, they're not necessarily my NBA team, but I do root for them because they are Canadian. And that's something that I usually don't do in hockey. So that, that's a big deal when it comes to, comes to hoops. Um, Aaron Quick Scholes, little going, basketball buddy? tidbit though, Isha. Yeah, one sec, one sec. Uh, Aaron Scholes, how's it going, buddy? Thanks for joining the stream. Um, yeah, quickly go with your Minnesota one, then we'll bring on Platt here momentarily. Yeah, I mean, it's just hilarious though for any Minnesota team how things usually kind of turn wrong. The one time the Timberwolves win, like jump up in the lottery, they get the first overall pick. And one of my buddies who like is a basketball hardo is like, this is such a joke. This is like the worst draft class in the it's last so decade. <laughs> There's nothing for us here. I hope they trade for Devin Booker. I hope they trade for picks next year. I just don't want anything this year. And if we do take something, I want ball, I guess. Well, let's think, do you really want the, the last ball and everything that comes with them? You know, apparently the most talented one. I don't know, man. Like it's, it's just a headache wherever that family name lies. Um, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to quickly shoot things over to our guest segment. But first, I want, to, uh, I want to quickly remind everyone that we have a text and voicemail open to all Minnesota fans in and beyond the state of hockey. Listen, it's simple. If you call us, we'll put you on the podcast. It's a great way to interact, so don't be shy. Uh, 612-324-1684 or tweet us at the soda pod uh we got a voicemail mid podcast here so maybe towards the end of it i will uh i'll i'll feature that or maybe we'll we'll save it for the next podcast uh the open phone segment is brought to you by our friends at the open phone app they give you a business phone in an app uh great monthly rates at only 10 bucks a month um you know what i'll shout out our sponsors on the other side Mr. Platt, he is the man behind the Platt, the Platter 
channel and the booze blog. We connected over Twitter. We connected over beer. And it's really exciting to bring you, sir, on the podcast. Platt Robertson, how's it going, my man? Like I said, we connected uh, over Twitter. I saw him sharing, you know, some videos from his YouTube channel, which, folks, 17 and a half thousand subscribers. He's posting videos pretty much every day, reviewing, you know, beers, spirits, the whole nine yards, giving food recipes and much, much more. We'll get into that and more. How's it going, Mr. Platt? I'm doing outstanding. How you feel is doing? Uh, we're doing amazing. Thanks for making some time for us today on the Soda Pod. Uh, really excited to talk about uh, well everything that you're doing content-wise. And, uh, um, and and I know State of Hoppy will probably dive into a little bit more specific beer stuff. But again, it's a pleasure to feature you here, sir. Well, if you gentlemen don't mind, I'm going to crack open an ice-cold Shiner block while we do this. Oh, please do, sir. Please Beautiful. do. I mean, State of Hoppy usually uh, starts things off with asking our guests, you know, what are they, what, what they're drinking. But you already, you already did that for us there. Very maybe, good. maybe dive in uh, to it a little bit for our listeners here. Uh, what kind of beer is that? Uh, Schenerbach is well, it's considered a Bach beer, but technically it's a Vienna lager, uh, slightly maltier, darker lager. Uh, Shiner's was uh, probably the first big major brewery in Texas. And it was first craft beer I ever tasted in college. That's, I'm from the Dallas area. And uh, so that was kind of the first craft beer I was really introduced to. Now, depending on if you consider Sam Adams craft or not. <laughs> no, that, that, that's awesome. I can't recall what the first craft beer that I had. I live out in actually, in, in, funny enough, in Vancouver Island, British Columbia, which has a oh. great craft beer scene. Um, it, it's it's, you know, it, it was up and coming when I moved uh, about seven years ago to the city uh, when I first started college and then just exploded with micro uh, microbreweries. And it's been, you know, really making a dent here in the West Coast of Canada and just uh, south of the border as well. I know the state of Hoppy, my co-host here, huge beer connoisseur uh, there in the in the Twin Cities. Um, what, are, what are you drinking there, state of Hoppy? Uh, maybe introduce that to the fine gentleman here. It's uh, the Thunderbot and Lightning. It's just an IPA from Tin Whiskers, which uh, you might be more interested in some of the beers that they have that are inspired by candies. Um, uh, Pearson's Candy is right here in St. Paul. And all of that, they've got a, let's see, they've got a Biddo Honey Blonde. They have a Nuckety Porter. They run the full gambit of all their candies. And honestly, they're, I'm not huge into the super sweet beers, but those are pretty damn good. Bit of honey. I, I might have to try to make that myself. I kind of like that idea. There we go. Well, and let's, well, so get, let's right get into that. Like, what, what kind of beers do you typically make? Um, I'm kind of a mad scientist in that I don't – a lot of the things I brew and produce, even just for myself or video content, it's, it's kind of experimental. I don't brew a lot of just pale ales or uh, – uh, you know, Hefeweizens or whatever, usually there's something to it. I um, may do a coffee beer or, you know, I got, for a little while I got into mead, which is a bit, kind of a different kind of animal, but it's unlimited to the different spices and fruits you can use to make different meads. So um, a, a, a lot of my beers are either I'll do a kit review or again, something kind of off the beaten path. Well, what are some of the... I don't know, the, the funner and tastier fruits or berries that, that you've used and that have surprised you in your concoctions that, you know, you, you, you brewed the beer and you're like, huh, this maybe turned out a lot better than I, than I expected going into it. And, um, and if there's any video content for that, you know, pump away, sir. Um, 
Well, I went on a little tangent and a little backstory on my backstory. A few years ago, I did have my own spirits company. Unfortunately, it didn't, didn't work out, but uh, we made apple pie moonshine. And I got really into the liqueur thing for a while, creating different flavors of whatever. And one of my favorite is an actual peanut butter cup liqueur. Ooh. Cream liqueur. T tastes like liquid Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, that is your, that's exactly up my alley, man. I'm a peanut butter fiend. <laughs> You yeah, had my undivided attention. Hello, other things, you know. Well, that's awesome. Uh, the state of Hoppy was saying that um, we actually had the, the guys from Waconia Brewing from uh, Minnesota come on, and they have a, a peanut butter porter that the state of Hoppy here has been uh, just, you know, telling me how, you know, pumping it for the last few months here, how amazing that is. And it's become their flagship beer, which is pretty cool. If you've ever had anything from Belching Beaver, they seem to knock yep. it out. They that peanut butter latte of theirs, oh my God, I could drink a gallon of that stuff. It's so good, man. You're, you are spot on. Yeah. Um, okay, well, you gave a little bit on, uh, on your background. Let's, uh, let, let's pump the brakes on the beer talk right now. We'll get back All into right. it momentarily. But I want to I hear a little bit about you, sir. Um, what, what's your overall background in regards to brewing beer or you know, just your, your channel in general? Because you know, you know your stuff when it comes to liquor, my man. Um, I've been bartending now for, God, I hate to say it, but almost 30 years now. Um, I've, I started off in college bartending and just kind of caught the bug. And I eventually moved out to Vegas about 14 years ago now. And uh, just because you don't bartend, might as well bartend the big time. And, and Vegas <laughs> is definitely that. Um, I started brewing roughly about 20 years ago. Somebody would give me a Mr. Beer kit as a gift and that was fun to play with but I'm, I'm kind of a nerd on this kind of stuff I'm like all right well, what's next well we can do more i got in home wine making and stuff like that and eventually eventually got into the spirits thing and you know decided to start a spirit company 10 years ago like i said unfortunately that didn't work out but i've done all kinds of cocktail competitions i'm in the uh, united states bartenders guild i'm part of the american homebrewers association um, I, I'm an absolute, absolute geek when it comes to alcoholic beverages. And that's what the channel, my YouTube channel is about. Just kind of sharing my journey through the wonderful, weird, weird world of alcohol. Yeah. And you have, you have everything and more on this, well, on your channel again, uh, plat R the platter channel on, uh, on YouTube here. I love the name. I love the logo and everything, sir. Mm -hmm. And I'm just scrolling through some of your videos here. Now I, I said, right off, uh, right off the hop, you have like a weekly review of not just beer, but, but, um, an assortment of, of, of liquors and, and alcohol. You also have, uh, your, your how to videos in making, you know, like for example, your apple pie moonshine, and you also have some food reviews here. So you got everything and more for, for someone, you know, in that culture um, and, and who's a connoisseur in, you know, not just craft beer, but maybe craft spirits and liquor. Oh, yeah, like I said, it's just kind of my way to express this. And it gives me excuse to, uh, you know, I do a, a weekly beer review. It's a great excuse to go to the liquor store and try some new beers. Hey, well, that's what we do here on the Soda Pod. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling today and it's, you know, it's unfortunate because we finally got you in this slot, but I had a few too many beers last night and I'm, I'm just nursing water today. And it's the first, of, it's the first of many actually Soda Pods where I haven't had a beer in my hand doing this, but State of Hoppy, he's, uh, he's going to make up for it for me. Um, but anyway, so, so other than just, you know, 
you're, you're a nerd when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, what was the inspiration? What got, you know, what got you going on this channel? What, what really, you know, inspired you to start it? What, what got the wheels rolling? Um, I, I, I tried to, I had a little blog for a little while and I, like I said, I was kind of wanting to express this. I was doing cocktail competitions at the time and you know, social media has just become so big now that, you know, I wanted, I want some kind of interaction. And again, a lot of, a lot of my friends, people, you know, that know me, you know, knew that after, after my beverage company didn't work out that I needed some kind of outlet, just the YouTube thing was getting so big at the time. I thought, well, I'm going to give it a try just, just to see if anything, again, this allows me to have an excuse to try different beers or try to make different things. And it just, uh, we just kind of went from there. So what's your favorite? Uh, Cause I'm looking through your playlist right now too. And again, I've been, I've been honestly watching your videos for the last, uh, last couple months here. Huge fan. Um, what's, your, you. what, what's your favorite playlist? You know, do you like, what's your favorite video, I guess, to produce? Do you like your beer of the week? I know it's like excuse to try more beer. So maybe that one's a given, um, but what are some of your favorite videos and, you know, um, certain types of videos that, that you like to make? I really do like to do the how to videos. Uh, Sometimes it takes more a little, you know, a little more time. The beer of the week videos, you know, pretty simple. I go to liquor store, find some I like, do a little research. Those are those are, you know, kind of fun, quick videos. But really, you know, especially you know when it gets to brewing and stuff, uh, you know, those take a lot of time. But again, you're creating. I feel like, and, and again, a lot of the stuff I create is not. I don't do just generally down the middle, you know, beers. Or I try to do some experimental. So again, that kind of pushes me as a, I don't want to say an artist, but a craftsman, you know, and hey, I, it's I, an I, art. I like it's an art. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I'd say it's an art for sure. Craftsman, artist, yeah. same sort of thing. Yeah. Potato, potato. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's go off of that then. What's like the most abstract beer that you've tried to do on these experimental brews? Oh, geez, that's a good one. Um, I actually got into trying to make the malt beverages, um, okay. not very like white claw like, and part of the problem with making that is these big companies that do the, they have filtration systems or whatever that I really don't have access to. So I can't nail the color, but, uh, the great thing about the, those beverages is once you kind of get down the quote unquote, kind of a clear neutral base that's around 5% alcohol, the flavors are limitless on what you could do. You know, you can, you know, grab some Kool-Aid if you want to throw it in, but you can, you know, get, uh, get flavors from like uh, ice cream, you know, the, the snow cone kits, you know, you bubble gum oh, yeah, or yeah, you yeah. make them. And uh, that's something I really would like to get nailed down because then, like I said, the flavors are limitless from there. Okay. So, as far as beers specifically go, what's one that you were kind of worried about going in that you thought was going to be an absolute disaster and it turned out to be a really good beer? Probably my first milk stout. I just, the, when I learned about using powdered lactose and how that's used in brewing a water, I, I just kind of boggled my mind. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to pull this beer off, but it, it turned out nice. And I really love the, the milk stout beers are, I, you know, now they're using them in IPAs, you know, it's not that, that lactose now is not just used in stouts anymore. You know, it's used for a wide variety of beer. And I, I was glad I got that nailed down. So 
yeah, I know you're, you're based out of Vegas right now, originally from, from Texas. Um, before, you know, the world, you know, shut down and the craziness with the, the coronavirus and everything, um, did you do a lot of, like, beer tours around the United States or even Canada, possibly? You know, is, is, is there any place in particular, um, both in regards to the, the beer, but maybe the, the, you know, the tap room of the actual brewery itself um, that, that really stood out for you that you, that you can highlight for us? Um, I've... Uh... Whenever I go anywhere, whether it's a trip to Hawaii, LA, wherever, I always try to find a brewery. Actually, I'm this time tomorrow, I will hopefully be uh, in Yellowstone and oh, nice. uh, in Jackson, Wyoming, right outside the park. There's a oh, couple buddy. of there. I got some recommendations for you. Uh, he was just he was just there actually we did a whole show. We did an extended hoppy hour segment, like we called on the podcast, because he just did a little tour there. Well, I'm yeah. curious which ones did you have on the list heading out there? Oh gosh, I'd, I'd have to look. I this is kind of a last minute deal. I have to get out of the heat, man. It's just so <laughs> hot out here. Jeez. Just and, and the town's still shut down. I I like I said I bartend on the strip, but I'm temporarily laid off. We mm. are the the casinos are at fifty percent, but the bars are closed. The state's closed the bars. You literally can't go to a casino and go to the bar and get a drink. You either have to be gambling, or now they have lounges with food. Somehow, if I eat cheese sticks, I ain't getting the virus. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, before I jump in then on, on Jackson Hole, where are you working on the strip? Um, unfortunately, I have uh, signed paperwork that I can't disclose that. I do work Fair in enough. one of the big high-end, uh, not brag, but I do have one of the better jobs in Vegas. I work the high-limit room in one of the big casinos. I uh, have, I deal with uh, celebrities and stuff, so that's why we keep it. Uh, 86 but it's, it's one of the bigger properties oh that's awesome wow yeah. well biggest recommendations then for you when you do get up there to jackson you have to go to melvin and you have to go to roadhouse there's a couple others there that are really good right in town but those are the best and i mean are, are you a big like hoppy ipa guy or what's the flavor you seek out i'm more of a multi guy multi guy okay yes uh, you you're asking earlier about different or different beer experience I had, and I went to the Great American Beer Fest in I think it's 2013. Mm-hmm. And of course, the IPA thing was just exploding at the time. And I remember after 30 minutes in there, I just felt like I got beat up by a hot plant. Just all these IPAs. It was just. Um, I remember asked, turning to my buddy, I'm like, "Somebody give me a Bud Light just to cleanse my palate." <laughs> No, I hear you, man. Uh, especially here on the West Coast, the hazy IPAs, the double IPAs. That's what, you know, that's what everyone in their 20s is drinking right now. And I think that, you know, the market here, the craft beer markets have really targeted, you know, those that, that college crowd to actually take that step outside of, you know, the, the cheaper stuff in like the Bud Light, the Budweiser's up here yeah. um, and actually go for something at a similar price that's, you know, a little bit more unique. And the IPAs, they seem to be the ones that, that this, you know, particular group, um, you, know, mid, you know, 20 to 30 year olds have really clung on to and we see in the last in the last 10 years i mean those from 20 ages 20 to 30 are still buying the damn things and for me i like a little bit of everything um i'm i'm not really picky when it comes to any sort of beer but i am getting a little tired of going to my you know liquor store going to the the craft beer section and only seeing ipas or double ipas like i need i, I need something i need a little bit more variety here uh platt yeah i think i think part of the problem is the style IPA lends itself to a brewer, again, doing all kinds of things with uh, the hops 
and uh, that kind of lends them to be, you know, be able to be a little more artistic and where, you know, more traditional styles, you're kind of, you know, you're in a, if you're going to create a box, you, you don't have too much room to play with. Or you're going to create this mm-hmm. style of beer. Where I think the IPA gave brewers that freedom to really get crazy with, with the hops. And I think that's what's driving this is allows the brewers, you know, their bit of artistry. And it's just a style that I think, uh, again, if you're a brewer, you're like, I really want to play with that style. That, that makes a lot of sense, actually. You know, I didn't really think of it think of it like that and i know if you're going more traditional you want to you want to get it right because you know the traditional beers they, they already set the bar right even just some of the yeah. mainstream ones and if you're gonna apply your artistry like you like you put it you want it to be above that but you don't want to get too crazy or else it's 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 not what you're going for so so i can understand that to a certain degree but call me call me a traditionalist i still like the good stuff <laughs> oh yeah definitely um what do you got hoppy well, just as a little homework assignment for any viewers to take away, like what's the one video that sticks out for you on YouTube that if someone watches it, they're going to get hooked and subscribe and keep watching you? Ooh, um, well, my the very first video I did is my most popular video. It's just called Simplest Ways to Make Booze at Home. It's just homemade wine. Uh, but, the, but I've gotten over a million views on that video. And the funny part is when this whole pandemic started, I got so much – response from india south africa a lot of places no alcohol sales they've been all alcohol sales and a lot of people got really desperate and uh, they came and found my video and you know started asking questions and i was just i just got a comment or message the other day from someone from iran that says i was a savior in iran because they can't get alcohol so uh that that's probably the again i I try to, I try to, especially with that video, try to take it from someone that just doesn't have any idea on the, mm-hmm. how the whole process works and just show you it, it's pretty simple. Now, we're not making Chateau Petrus. This is fried <laughs> gut wine, but, you know, uh, in times like these, we'll, we'll take it. 100%. You know, and that's it's so perfect and actually um, um, topical to our last podcast. We have a, we have a, a phone line here where some of our um, fans can call in, leave a text message or, or voicemail. We have a recurring caller from Minnesota. We just call him Drunk Greg because Greg's always in one when he calls. He was asking us what the easiest uh, or what the best way to go about making uh, wine in his sink. That was his last call to us. So uh, maybe, you know, maybe the simple video you post can help him out to a yeah. certain degree. <laughs> There you go, Greg. You're getting, you know, you're getting more than you banked for on that one uh, funny call there. Speaking of Minnesota, where are you guys at in Minnesota? I'm just south of the Twin Cities in Richfield. So I'm kind of right in the middle where I can get out to any of the breweries I want to here, except a little trip up to Duluth, I guess. A hundred years ago when I was a younger man, we lived in outside of Anoka. Sure. I actually remember going to the old Met Center to watch the North Stars. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, Dino, nice. Dino, Dino Cicerelli was a rookie. That's oh, how long it was. And they played – the first game I went to, they played against the Colorado Rockies. That's the uh, New Jersey Devils now. Mm-hmm. So it was a long time ago. But, yeah, I had fun that in the old, old Met Stadium, too. I remember seeing the Vikings freeze my ass off. <laughs> Oh, let's talk a little bit about the North Stars then. You know, you got, you got some right. stories. What were some highlights of, of that time? Because obviously a little, a little bit before uh, Hoppy and, and my time there, but obviously, I mean, one of the, one of the most well-respected franchises from any sort of hockey nerd uh, who goes back through the vault. 
Yeah, when we moved up there, it was the year after they'd made the, the finals against the, uh, the uh, drive for five Islanders. And I like so I was a younger man or they had uh, Dino Cicerelli, I want to say Neil Broughton had just came up after, you know, being on the 80 Olympic team. And then luckily, years later, when I moved, I, I was in Dallas, and then they came down in 93. And of course, the, the late 90s stars, that was a loaded team. That's lucky for you, eh? That the that your North Stars just happened to move to Dallas, <laughs> just like yeah, you. no, no, it, it it worked it worked out. And like I said, they, when they came in '93, they had Madonna. Uh, they eventually got Ed Belfour, Hall, you know, Matt Pachuk, those guys, and that team that that hockey in the late '90s in the Western Conference between them, Detroit and Colorado. Holy cow, there was some talent in that conference back then some of the some of the best hockey that has ever been played can arguably be in that time when you know apparently it was the dead puck era but yet we saw these powerhouse teams and unbelievable talents uh be able to showcase there on the ice now you said it but those teams are unbelievable yeah no it was really great and i was glad a couple years ago when we got the knights out here that was i was glad that was our first professional sports team um no one, no one suspected, you know, that first season that was, I, I, I actually made game one of the finals that year. And it, it was a, it was a crazy ride. I can imagine. Let's talk, uh, let's talk a little bit about the, that ride and also just how the city responded to, uh, to this, the first professional sports team being a hockey team of, of all things, you know, cause the first thing you think of is, well, and I know the Raiders, they're coming, but like that football would have been the first, you know, football or baseball would have been like the, the, the two sports that I would think, you know, match with Vegas first, yet hockey comes in and the success they've had has been outstanding. So speak a little bit about that experience and uh, going to the games in this and citywide. Well, Vegas has a lot of transplants. When I moved out here, there was a stat that said only 8% of the population was actually born and raised here. They're, we're all transplants from somewhere. We've got a lot of transplants from Chicago, Detroit, New York. So hockey, there was a hockey market out here, you know, people, you know, there, there was a desire for hockey. Now, like I said, no one suspected, you know, what was going to happen that first year. I remember going, I guess it was game four or five, about four or five that year, they, they beat the Bruins. And they went to four and one at the time, something like that. And I remember turning to my buddy like, hey, you know what, this team's good enough. They might play some meaningful games in March. And that's kind of all we thought about it first. Like, wow, what a nice little start. And, of course, after the October 1st shootings, there was, you know, that kind of sentiment in the town, mm-hmm. you know. There's a lot of town pride, and we thought, well, all right, the boys are on kind of emotional high. This, this can't last. And, and the thing is, they really hadn't designed – I think the Knights are an interesting study on how to build a team because the way it was sold out here and, – and, and I know a gentleman who has a minority stake in the team, and he was saying when, they, when he bought that stake, they sold, they sold small pieces – $400,000 chunks of the team to certain celebrities and VIPs out here. And it's just a, kind of more of a marketing thing. Mm-hmm. But he was, he was explaining to me, they told him, hey, don't, you guys, you're buying in for 400000 The end of this first year will probably only be worth 300000 But somewhere down the line, we're going to have a good young team. We're building for the future. We have Flurry just because we need a star kind of deal. Then you just don't get a Hall of Fame goalie every day. So they're obviously going to take Flurry. But this thing was supposed to be built for the future. Well, the future was then, <laughs> you know. No, the future's and, now, man. They're about to yeah, play the Canucks. <laughs> but, they, they, uh, but they've been able to kind of change, you know, what the goal was. You know, they were going to bring in young guys. We weren't going to win soon. 
And they, they quickly realized that expectations now have changed. And they've been able to change on the fly, make some moves. Uh, looks like they're preparing for life after flurry. So I, I think it's kind of an impressive job what they've done considering, again, they got way out ahead of their skis, you know, for this I, thing. A hundred percent. And I mean, you spoke to it perfectly. I remember when they played LA in that first playoff series, no one gave them a chance. Everyone thought LA was just going to beat up on them and they absolutely took, you know, the, the Kings to town and made them look silly. I, I gave the, I gave the analogy earlier in the show. They made them look like a junior B team. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I had a friend had a ticket, uh, Knights 250 to one to win the cup that first year. Oh, baby. Yeah. You got close. I mean, you got close. You know, I, I knew several people that made that bit because they thought, well, just cute. It'll be a mo moment, you know, momento. I'll just throw 10 bucks or whatever down, you know, and just, no, again, just no one expected that. But uh, it's, it's, it's been impressive. The town, the, well, town's like any town. You, you win, we're going to love you, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I guess we'll have to see in a few years, you know, every team will hit a lull at some point. You know, we'll have to see. But uh, I think the town's really on board. That, that that's awesome and you sound like a hockey fan too which is great because uh i knew you you must have a little bit of affiliation with the sport but we brought you on first and foremost to talk beer we segued perfectly into some hockey talk here so you're a pro you're a pro mr platt yeah i appreciate that no no i love to well i'm i'm old enough i remember the miracle on ice as a kid now that, that was a huge thing and I, like i said we, we then that next year moved to minneapolis the stars just made the Stanley Cup, and it was one of the few places you can, you know, still skate outside. I played pond hockey as a little kid. So, you know, that, that's an association with the game I think a lot of people don't necessarily have or whatever. So, no, but I love hockey. It's definitely a special connection that you can make with the game with the game when you can, you know, skate out there on, on a lake or a pond. Um, right. we, we only got a few more minutes here uh, left, Platt, and uh, I'll hand right. over to, to Hoppy if he has anything to, to end with. But this has been outstanding. We have to bring you back on soon again, man, because – I have so, I have so, I have so much right to pick now. your brain on in regards to sport and brain, but there's the yeah, sport yeah. And, and beer, but Hoppy, do you have any uh, final thoughts or, or final questions for, uh, for Platt here? I mean, the last thing for me, and it's kind of weird now with everything that happened with COVID, but just what have you seen in the city? Is there anything different with the football team coming to town? Like, what do you see that having an impact now that we've seen what happened with the Knights? Uh, well, unfortunately, our governor's already said that there's not going to be any fans this year. Mark Davis, the team owners, signed up for that. We we already lost the uh, NFL draft. We were supposed to have the draft this year. Oh, that's right. Um, no college football. That we you know we've got a brand new two billion dollar stadium that uh, they wanted us to help pay for, and now we're not going to have anything in there. And as someone who bartends on the strip, this is it's heartbreaking. I mean, I I can personally tell you, I lost a lot of money because we didn't have that draft. We had we had some heavy hitters coming in. Mm -hmm that normally stay where I'm at team owners and ex players and stuff like that. And they were going to come, they were going to gamble and drink and they were going to spend were some money. <laughs> yes. And we've lost out. Um, and unfortunately right now, again, the bars and the casinos are closed. The casinos are only at 50% capacity uh, table games. They've got, you know, you have to wear masks everywhere. The, the nightclubs are closed, no shows. It's, Kind of Vegas is not built for this. We were built for crowds and people acting the fool and nightclubs and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, we're not built for fifty percent and uh, you know no bars. 
you said it there. Vegas is is built to go 100 and 100 only. Um, you know, yes. you're in the fast yes. lane. There, there is no, you know, you're in the passing lane only there in in, uh, in Sin City. Um, again, this is this has been outstanding, Platt. Everyone, go check him out on Twitter at Platt's Booze Blog, and of course on YouTube. We'll share a couple videos. Uh, Hoppy now, maybe share some of our favorites here. Uh, check out uh, the Platt R channel the platter channel uh we're definitely going to bring mr platt back on the show soon to talk more hockey and beer but again sir it was it was an honor to bring you on uh, the soda pod today episode 77 uh thank you for your time and uh, we'll catch up again down the road for sure pleasure's all mine gentlemen cheers sir have a good evening Hello, bonjour, hello, hey, hiya and previet hockey fans. Welcome to the Europuck podcast. The show where two blokes from Blighty talk about everything to do with European hockey as part of the Hockey Podcast Network. From the Russian KHL to the Swedish Hockey League, the Finnish Liga to the Swiss National League, the British Elite League to the Alps Hockey League, we talk about anything and everything European hockey. Catch our podcast every Friday from August the 28th, however you get your podcasts, and on the Europuck Podcast YouTube channel. The Europuck Podcast, giving you guys European hockey. Mr. Platt of the Platt's Booze blog and also the Platter channel on YouTube. That was a ton of fun, eh, State of Hoppy? He was a good guy. I knew right off the bat watching his YouTube videos and connecting with him back and forth on Twitter that, uh, that this was this was a perfect guess for the soda pod. Yeah, it, it didn't surprise me at all, but it was really cool that he had the twist of moving around the country, following the North Stars down to Dallas. like clearly And I didn't even know man. that, you know? That was, you know, that's that's what they call radio gold. If you're live on air on the radio, we're kind of live through Facebook right now. Anyways, when everything kind of just falls into place, because I knew, you know, there was a connection with with uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. I had no idea he went and watched the North Stars play back in the day and then moved to Dallas of all places. Like the irony in that is crazy, man. So that was a real treat for you all uh, here on the Soda Pod. Again, it's not the it's not the uh, the last time that, that we're going to bring uh, Mr. Platt and the booze blog back here on the soda pod um one more segment left in the show i quickly want to shout out our sponsors um manscaped.com don't forget to use our promo code thpn for 20 percent off your manscaped purchases look everyone on the network every male on the network anyways our balls are thanking manscaped and we want uh we want your balls to thank them as well so thpn for 20 percent off manscaped.com and uh our our great friends at cool hockey coolhockey.com slash thpn uh the best hand stitched jerseys out there it's a great canadian company out of toronto they've been around since uh the 90s and if you're in canada and you use our promo code thpn not only do you get 30 percent off but you'll also get free shipping for those down south especially in the state of hockey again thank you so much cool hockey thanks you the network thanks you for you know selling out 
coolhockey.com of small and medium Minnesota jerseys um, with that Kaprizov hand-stitched. Uh, they're getting some more Adidas products in in a month. Um, they still have some large, extra-large jerseys, uh, Minnesota ones, if you want to get that Kaprizov on there as well. So, again, just big thanks to the state of hockey for, uh, for stepping up and supporting our friends at coolhockey.com. Go to coolhockey.com slash THPN. It just helps us track your order. Um, all right, let's get to, uh, well, the final segment of the show here. Let's get into some Minnesota wild talk and sprinkle in some, uh, well, some NHL news as well. I think right off, uh, right off the hop, uh, state of hoppy, we got to talk about uh, Alan Walsh's tweet quick. And I know we, we exhausted it a little bit on the uh, after hours last night. And I know our friends uh, covering the Vegas Golden Knights weekly, nightly on the Hockey Podcast Network, they, they go into it for like fucking half an hour on their show and it's great. Um, I got the exclusive preview. So go, go check them out for more on it. But I'd love to hear your comments right off the bat. Um, Cause I know, you know, you being a Pittsburgh fan, this isn't the first time that you've, uh, you know, as a fan anyways, had to deal with uh, Alan Walsh. Yeah. And it's funny too, cause you guys got all that out of your systems before I joined last night. So I missed all that fun, but I mean, the best part of all of this is like how nonchalant flurry is about it. Like he's like, dodging the questions from people, which is really easy apparently because of the ridiculous way that they're handling interviews right now, where you ask a question, you get muted and can't have any follow-up, but uh, he's just like, yep, he's, you know, he's, he's a guy that does this and uh, he's, you know, defending me, I guess, whatever. Um, and for those of you who are living under a rock, Alan Walsh tweeted um, upon finding out, well, that Leonard is going to continue to be the, the starter in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year, uh, posted a picture of a sword uh, stabbing the back of, well, just like fully stabbing the back, penetrating the back of uh, full, Mar- penetration. full penetration of Marc-Andre Fleury. You heard it, that one here first on the Soda Pod. Um, with, uh, and here's the, here's the kicker with the, with the, the name on the sword reading Pete, Peter DeBoer. Um, this has been the most aggressive social media jab that I've seen Alan Walsh take. I know every now and then he'll have like a sarcastic comment while retweeting um, a story that's usually not you know in favor of his client and he's trying to pump them up. I'm all right with that because that's his brand and he's such a powerful not only just agent but but man in in the sports world you know um, figure and so he moves the needle in a lot of places. Do I think this is too far? I don't know. I, th- I personally think it's hilarious. So I-, I don't know if I want to get all analytical on this and all, you know, analyst and proper because I think it's hilarious, Hoppy. Sure. Was it, it, was it inappropriate? Absolutely. Is it putting Flurry in an awkward spot? 100%. I still think it's funny. And as a Canucks fan, whatever, whatever the outside world can do to penetrate the bubble in regards to throwing Vegas off, I'm okay with. I'm okay with it. Nice, so. nice play on penetrate there, but... No, I I don't have any issue with this. Like, it's a little outlandish, and maybe he's, like, being a little aggressive on it. But it's funny. He got what he wanted. He got the reaction online. And, yeah, like, it's one of those things that, like, it's putting Flurry in a weird spot. But of all the people, Flurry can handle that. He doesn't give a shit. Well, and he has and, been handling it probably throughout and, his entire time working with Alan Walsh. And and it's good advertising too, in a sense. Like a hundred percent. Like if I'm getting an agent and I'm splitting hairs between two guys that have a great track record, I'm taking the guy that's got my back a hundred times out of a hundred. He ain't stabbing that back, I'll tell you that much. Um, all right, let's move on to quickly run down the the pucks pull question of the week. Um, goaltender related, of course. 
Um, man, all these like segues are just coming in naturally for us today. You know, me being at 60%, I need it because I've been stumbling my words and uh, what does Adam Oates say? Bumble fucking the puck left, right and center. But uh, we asked you this week, if Minnesota look outside the organization for goaltending, uh, who would you prefer? Um, we got a pretty good, uh, pretty good showing for this one, State of Hoppy. Um, choices were Braden Holpe, Robin Leonard, Matt Murray, Tristan Jari. We, we teed this up a little bit when we first posted it about a week ago, but it, it's gained some traction. We have uh, some comments on it. Um, who do you think won the poll? Well, I mean, the way I see it, the Pittsburgh Penguin goaltender that gets left out in the cold is the one that won the poll because if you want Jari or Murray, you're going to take whichever one gets kicked out. No, that's true. Which one do you think? You know, put your Pittsburgh fandom aside and just, you know, put on your Minnesota Wild goggles, pretend you're Billy Guerin, which is the goaltender that you go with, that you that you make uh, make a run at? Uh, dead serious, like if I'm Billy Guerin, I go after one of those two guys and like we talked about it, I also want to try and tie Jared McCann into that deal if I can't find a different like I like it. number one center. But I'm assuming the fans probably picked Laner based on what he's been doing recently. And, like, they might think that we can get him on a decent deal, but I just don't see the Wild being able to afford Laner or Holpe. So that's why either Penguins goalie is the realistic option because they're both going to make four Miller lasts, which is pretty good for Dude, what both perfect. of them offer. It's Devin right. Dubnik 2.0 contract, baby. Let's go. <laughs> So that, that's where I stand on it. Obviously, there's plenty of other options, but I really think the perfect trading partner here is them. So, so which, which one? Which one do you want to target? Do you like Matt Murray or Tristan Jari for the Wild more? It, it sounds like it's not going to be a problem because the one I want is the one that everyone in Pittsburgh seems to want to get rid of. I think Matt Murray is the guy you want. He's the more experienced guy, and it's not like he's a one-hit wonder, like potentially – Jordan Bennington may turn out to be because we see that, you know, throughout histories with goaltenders, Matt Murray stayed consistent. And this year, which was a crazy year all around. Didn't his dad pass away this year as well? Matt Murray, like there was a lot that was going on with the Pittsburgh organization as well. They didn't have their best showing, you know, this year by any means. And I don't think, you know, it could all be on the shoulders of Matt Murray again. I'm no Pittsburgh Penguins expert, the tip of the iceberg. And obviously Hoppy would have more on this. I was just wondering just, just quickly. And before we kind of dive into more topics in the poll question here, why is it systems wise at all Hoppy in your decision here? Or is it just purely experience? Because I'm just curious, like what's the difference in regards to, uh, you know, Tristan Jari and Matt Murray in regards to their strengths and which one may fit the wild system a little bit more. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, it's less about systems for me than it is about having a track record. Like Matt Murray, he's had certainly dips throughout his early career. Again, this is a guy that's early 20s right now. What is he, 25 at the oldest? Yeah. Won two cups already. He can play and his worst isn't that bad like his worst is better than what the wild got this year that's true no that's true and and, and you know I, what also the wild's defense is better than the pittsburgh penguins in front of him so you may have an easier time playing here yeah and it, the bigger thing for me is that like tristan jari don't get me wrong he shocked me this year i didn't think that he would do what he did he did it for half a fucking season like people are getting too excited and crowning him as the next goalie when like he did marginally better than Matt Murray this year 
and they already think that he's the heir apparent that should step up and take over. I, if I'm Pittsburgh, I try not to trade either of them right now. I keep them both going into the next year, give them half the season to see which one's the right one and dish one later. But Billy Garen's not going to let one. that happen. <laughs> right. But um, no, I, I do think if you, if Pittsburgh says we're keeping Murray and we're dishing Jari, I have no problem going after him. Oh, but no. it sounds like Murray's the one that's going to be the odd man out, and he's the one I prefer anyways. So it's just the perfect storm with a guy that, again, like he definitely has dips. He's not like the most consistent goalie, but his worst isn't that bad in comparison to seeing some of the other goalies who, like when they bought him out, they bought him out. No, absolutely. So this actually poll results may uh, may surprise you a bit. Braden Holtby won, and it was tight, guys. Um, at twenty nine percent, Robin Le- or uh, Tristan Jari behind him at twenty seven. Then Robert Leonard at twenty six, and then Matt Murray at sixteen. So Matt Murray, you know, was lost this one from the the most margin here. Um, Holtby, it, it, interesting because yeah, he has the track record too. But if you look back the last three seasons since he won the cup in 2016, he's been one of the league's worst goaltenders. I believe Russo said in his last podcast that um, he's been, yeah, bottom of the uh, bottom of the league in goaltenders three years running. This guy's time I think is, is done to be an elite goaltender and he's going to ask for too much money for what he's worth. And you said it in regards to Robin Leonard, especially if he continues to show well with the Vegas Golden Knights, or especially if they beat the Vancouver Canucks in this series, he's going to command a huge paycheck. Um, and that's kind of what you said. Well, that's exactly what you said when you commented on this poll, saying you can't afford Leonard Holpe, take Murray Jar in a package with McCann and call it a day. I like that one. Uh, Carlo at some dude 88 uh, host of the weekly nightly podcast says hands off. Of Carlo. Our, he's, he's, he's fucking hilarious. I love Carlo too. Every one of that podcast has been awesome. The, the great late, uh, one of the greater uh, latest additions to the, uh, to the hockey podcast network. Um, I suggested Markstrom if he does walk away from the Vancouver Canucks, which I don't think he's going to, but if Pay so, whatever he asks, exactly. Um, and what else are we? Oh, <laughs> uh, Grandpa Beer at Bill Geeg or Geg uh, says, uh, "Don't touch Leonard." So yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's okay. That's okay. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill. <laughs> no, but I think the big thing too, Isha, to kind of hit on what you asked about Murray and Jari, like who comes in well and fits with you know Minnesota systems. What's it say that as soon as Trotz leaves, hope he falls off a cliff, like? Yeah, man. How, how much of that? Like, don't get me wrong. I always thought that he was a great goalie, but his best years were under trots. A hundred percent. Shocker. No, I, well, look at look at what's going on with the Isles right now. You know, Varlamov, fine goaltender. You know, he's he's been in the league. He's been able to stay in the league as either a one A or one B for for over a decade now. However, he was never an elite starter. He's never, you know, he's not someone you watched and were like, okay, I'm confident that Varlamov is going to shut down the game for me. You know, dating yeah, back to his time as a, a young Jonas goaltender. Hiller type guy, where it's like if you get his best game, you're not scoring. If you get his worst game, it's ten goals. Like, yeah, good example, good example. Um, Jonas Hiller, by the by the way, uh, made an appearance on the um, the Devil State of Mind podcast, uh, covering all things um, well, New Jersey Devils here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, Neil Villapiano, host of the show, uh, caught up with Hiller last week. So go check that out on the Hockey Podcast Network feed or wherever you get your podcast from. Okay. Um, running a little over today, but we started a little late and I want to get these fine listeners a little bit of wild talk before we wrap things up here. Um, I, I was reading a zone coverage article talking about the Minnesota wild 
And, um, and this is something that I kind of want to, you know, I'll even make this a discussion question after, after the podcast and post it on the Soda Pods Twitter account. Um, Miko Koivu, Alice Galchenyuk, they come off the books next year. Uh, Devin Dubnik, Eric Stahl, Greg Patteron, and Brad Hunt the following year. That's, that's like cleaning house if you just wait one season. So I asked the listeners in you, State of Hoppy, should the Wild just wait out this year, focus on shedding whatever they can for assets, and just retool around Fiala and Kaprizov and the defense next season? It's a borderline rebuild, but I think that this, you know, a little bit of patience could go a long way. I agree, but I do think that's oversimplifying in a sense, just from the perspective. Because, like, while they're not in the market to go out and sign some big free agent name, so, like, from that sense, like, yeah, hold off. You don't need to go do anything like that. But if the right move is out there to be made, and we've already talked about this, Isha, and I think we're both in agreement, Billy Guerin knows who his guys are now. He's got a couple guys that aren't going anywhere, and he's got a short list of guys that are out of there whether it's to start the year or whether it's at next trade deadline, he knows who's not part of this organization moving forward. If you find that right move, you make it and you find a way to make it work now. Whereas there's some guys that you might have to get this year. If you want them, you're not going to get them in a year if you wait. So I, I agree. Perfect case scenario is waiting until next year when you have way cleaner books, but that's just not how the league works. It's all based on when people's contracts come up and when people are willing to move a player, you jump at whatever you think is going to help move the team forward. Oh, fair enough. But I think that, that, um, that argument could also be, you know, put in the opposite sense, you know, maybe, maybe the player that you address center this, maybe there's, there's players that you want to address sent the center position that are available right now, but better ones in a year. Like, you know, you could go after a Max Domi this year, or you could go after a, a fucking Sasha Barkov next year. So I'm saying it kind of works in yeah. both ways. Um, but you're, you're, when I want to be clear, Domi's not that guy I want to target right now. So. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> no. And, and thanks for clearing. I was just giving, giving an example there. No, but I agree. You're right. Um, so I think, yeah, it's totally not as simple as I laid it out. And that's why I'll make it a discussion question. We can kind of open up the topic a little bit more uh, on the Thursday episode that drops. Um, because I think that, you know, we could put on our, you know, we, we could sit in, in, in the GM's chair, the armchair uh, GM role here, State of Hoppy, and actually just kind of give our, I don't know, simple opinion on, on unpacking this, uh, this topic a little bit more. Because I think that... There's a couple things that Billy Garen needs to do. There's a couple things that he wants to do. And there's a couple things that are impossible to do. And I kind of want to highlight them all through both of our perspectives. So maybe we'll put a bow on this right now. and We'll revisit it again next week because I think there's a few different ways that the wild can, uh, can, can retool for lack of a better term, moving forward. Um, you brought up the coaches a little bit earlier. I was going to talk a little bit about, um, of Ladislav Firstov, uh, uh, a nice, you know, second round, I believe he's a second or third round pick from last year's draft playing at the University of Connecticut right now. He's got an interesting story and I'm going to be actually writing a story about him for, for a hockey wilderness of SB Nation, um, but not to, not to plug that or, or, you know, give a little preview there, but his story is very interesting and his training regiment this year has been, uh, well, been customized for lack of a better term because of everything COVID-19 and his story relates to a lot of other college athletes. So um, we're running out of time on this show. We'll, we'll talk about him on Thursday as well, but coaching, there's a lot of coaching free agents right now. And I know Dean Evison has been locked in for a two year extension, but 
it's just that it's only a two-year extension and the wild realistically haven't seen what he can do with this team on a grand scale yet so i think the coaching um conversation can still be a little bit relevant but um but regardless uh you brought it up earlier do you want to talk about that a little bit before we end the show well first on looking at dean evison i think the two-year contract is perfect like that is oh, yeah. the window you need to see if he's the right guy or not. It's a it bridge. Out, wash your hands of it. Move on. It's fine. And if it works out, great. Give him an extension. But, you know, a lot of the guys this year, you know, they're big names. And that might be all that they are. You know, it's, it's hard to say. But those aren't guys you just go out and grab and throw in and hope it works. Like you just lost a big personality in Bruce Boudreaux. Throwing another big personality at these guys – isn't necessarily the right route. Like I like Dean Eviston for this team, just in the sense that he's a player's coach. He's a guy that's going to get the most out of the young guys. He's going to try and rejuvenate the old guys and get the most he can out of them. And I mean, I think we all agree. The most important thing is Kevin Fiala seems happy. So, yeah. uh, But looking at Reardon, I mean, I don't think anyone's shocked by this firing. I'm really interested to see who ends Washington in Washington because like people are talking about bringing Laviolette in. It's like just such a funny discussion. Be like, oh, so you're going to shell out and pay a ton of money to Laviolette when you let Trotz go and he embarrassed you? Like, I don't know. It, Bring it's, it's Bruce back, do. baby. Bring Bruce back. That's what I'm saying. Dude, I said that. Hockey Troll shut it down immediately. He said, I love Bruce, but no. Oh, man. I would I would love to see that. Welcome home, Bruce. I could just see Ovi. Now, now gray, you know, gray beard and gray hair, kind of like Ryan Miller. Um, <laughs> or not Ryan Miller. What was, uh, what was the, 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 the Miller brother who, who played in Detroit? Um, the goaltender's Ryan Miller, but uh, his brother played in Detroit, and he had, like, gray hair at 23. That was oh. his brother? Yeah, dude. Whoa. That's okay. news to you, eh? You know, yeah, um, because uh, I did when not I, know they were related. When Ryan Miller played for the Vancouver Canucks, his parents would come in a, in a uh, double-colored suit, one red and one blue, which was hilarious. Miller's um, just not one of those names where you stop and go, oh, they might be related. Like, <laughs> oh, but what's his name? What, what's the brother's name? I, I looked him up the other day. It's I know who you're name. talking about, but I don't, I'm not going to come up I'm with I'm Googling him on the fly. <laughs> no, that's funny. Drew Miller. Drew Miller, yeah. I mean, yeah. go through his DB. It's like he had black hair with Anaheim. And then, boom, the next season, gray. I mean, um, if we're really going to talk about the transformations, we're not going to skip over Ryan Getzlaff's photos from year to year. No, no, because that's, uh, that's pretty legendary, too. That's pretty funny. I mean, obviously, the star of it is Brett Burns, but that's because the hair is coming out of his face, not, uh, not from his head there. He's also a mutant, so. Oh, man. Yeah, I, Brett Burns, un, unbelievable player, mutant, savage. I love his off-season routines of just, like, getting in an RV with his family and, you know, hitting the road and traveling and doing his workouts wherever he goes. I mean, yeah, Brett Burns, one, one, of, the, one of the more funner uh, players to follow. Not if you're a Sharks fan, but if you're, you know, outside of that market. Um, Bruce Boudreaux talking, like, I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of joking here in regards to him returning to Washington. It's a possibility. But we've also heard rumblings that uh, that Toronto's interested in bringing him in as an assistant next to next to Keith. What, what's your what's your thoughts on that? I mean, Russo talked a little bit about those rumblings in one of his last articles. So, are those rumblings, or is that like kind of in place? I guess I maybe misunderstood. I thought that was more or less 
a done deal unless he. I haven't read confirmation yet, but okay. maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's more than rumblings at this point. But it, but it makes sense. That's something that like is meaningful to him to go and coach in Toronto. And like, let's be real. That's a team that's in a position that, let's say things don't go the way they want next year. He might be the incumbent to jump in and take over for Keith if they're not happy there and they need to make a gut move. So from a lot of perspectives, it makes sense. But, um, and hey, maybe he finds some kind of clause in there where he gets to work for Sportsnet or TSN on the side. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if he's, uh, I don't know if no. he's quite, I don't know if he's Brian Burke level yet, but, uh, but soon, <laughs> soon he's the personality and you know, everyone who's played with him too, just has, you know, speaks volumes to him it says that he's uh he's one of the best players, not necessarily uh, on the ice, but uh, one of the best players to have on your team um, and one of the better roommates as well. I believe uh, the fourth line voice podcast recently had a guest on who was talking about playing, uh, playing juniors with uh, Boudreaux that are playing in the A with or the, the minor leagues with Boudreaux and just had some hilarious stories about Bruce. Um, one, one final note on that before we end the show here. Cause again, we've, we've gone over and we can talk about hockey all day when we're on a roll here. I got to gear up for this Canucks game and then have an early night. Um, but one thing I, I do want to say is yeah, Bruce Boudreaux, I agree to you for, uh, to a certain extent looks good joining the Maple Leafs from, from multiple perspectives, but from one I, I, that I don't, that I think is a negative that I'll highlight is that it kind of puts a target on Keith's back. Like, Oh, this veterans here. And if I mess up, he's going to take over. And Bruce is obviously going to be there being like, okay, once this guy messes up, I'm, I'm there. Now I don't think that's the motivation. Obviously you're there to coach a team. You're there to win. But Bruce Boudreaux is a head coach. You know, he's, he, he's not going to join a franchise to not at least have that as his motivator to, to be the head coach of that team. So that's just something I want to throw out to that. I don't know, maybe chemistry-wise coaching, that's the best move. But as far as production, it could, it could very well be. Yeah, and it's one of those things where, like, that's a bad thing for the team. It's not a bad thing for Bruce, but I, I agree. And to be completely honest, I'm actually a big Sheldon Keefe fan in general. But it's just one of those things that I can see being a motivating factor if Bruce were to take an assistant role, because reality is there should be openings. He should be able to find a place to be a head coach if he really wants to, but maybe that's the right move for him for one year and wait and see the vacancies next year and have a little bit more of a choice as to where he goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know? said it there. Maybe the ball is more in his court than we think. Um, all right. I think we're going to end off the show here, Hoppy. We got a few more things, but you know, these are things that we can easily uh, put, you know, uh, move over to the Thursday episode. One thing I do want to highlight here is we, we got a call for, we got four calls from, from, from Greg, from junk Greg during this thing. So he clearly tuned into the live stream or clicked the link through Twitter. I know that he's on Twitter with a burner account somewhere because that's where he finds all, all our shit. Um, I, whenever they leave a, uh, this is how awesome the open phone app is. Whenever anyone leaves a, a voicemail, it, it transcribes it. It's about pizza. So that's how I know he was listening. So I'll fire it up here quick before we read the last things. And then uh, we'll sign off for the evening. Hey boys, it's uh, Greg Cohen here. Uh, great state of Minnesota. Had a couple of drinks last night. So we have a long one, went down to Legion, got blacked out, came home with the pizza. Sorry to add into your pizza talk here, boys. My pizza, believe it or not, had kangaroo meat and french fries. Now, uh, I don't know if I was too drunk, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't what it was. 
So Warner boys, what's the weirdest kind of pizza you ever had? Thanks, boys. Keep up the good work. <laughs> what do you say, French fries? And what was the other thing you put on there? I heard something about French fries, but I all I made out was that he went to the Legion, got buckled, and <laughs> wants to know what the weirdest pizza is that we've ever had. <laughs> I had a taco pizza once, and it was awful. Save tacos for tacos. What? Oh, there, there's good taco pizzas. There's definitely bad ones, too. Honestly, I, I mean, anyone in Minnesota can attest to this. I've been to Mesa Pizza, and pretty much every pizza you have there is as weird as they come. I'm trying to think. I think I had like a pesto pasta pizza. Whoa. See, I can get on board with, with, uh, with pesto. I well, it, it was good, but it's just weird as shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They literally put anything on a pizza that you can imagine. It's ridiculous. Hey, well, and if they, and if they can do it good for you when you come out here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll add it to the tour. Um, hey, if they can do it good, I'm on board. I am so hungry right now, by the way, because again, because yep. of my state all day, haven't really eaten too much, you know, kept the basics down, but I need a meal right now. And I think I'm going to order a Whoa. pizza before this Canucks game. Well, what are you going to do, though, if you get, like, really, really up or really, really down this game? Like, are you not going to drink at all? Um, I honestly, I don't, I don't have any beers in my fridge, so that, I left them at Dylan's. <laughs> I, I see cracking right in front of your computer, but. We'll see how the night goes. You're, you'll be texting me throughout the game anyways. You can yeah, yeah. give, you can give uh, some, some live updates on how uh, VI Sports Talk's doing on Twitter. And you can follow me, my handle, at VI Sports Talk on Twitter. Um, and the Soda Pod, at the Soda Pod. Folks, thanks you for tuning into the show and the live stream. And if you're tuning into the podcast, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcast, uh, whatever app you use. Uh, the best thing you can do for us this week is uh, give us five stars on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Go listen to our website, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. And on your app, please download episodes before you listen as it just helps our business. We have a Patreon. Uh, we're still working on it. Um, Patreon.com slash thehockeypodcastnetwork. Uh, extra content like the After Hours show is always on there. We're going to have more blogs. We're going to have more uh, giveaways and uh, and more incentive for, for all you folks to to donate. All the proceeds and, and, and donations go to um, to the hosts who, you know, without them, there would be no network. So we want to give them a, a little extra to to show that we appreciate them and to you know reward them for all their hard work um yeah th- that's it again uh follow the network at hockeypodnet when this drops uh 31 other shows are dropping every tuesday we got original content dropping wednesday thursday friday and we have more and more coming the network's just growing and we're so happy to be a part of it uh you good state of hobby where can they find you you can find me at State of Hoppy. And just before we sign off, quick, I got to let everyone know, had my second beer, gone from the 6th to the 8th, and uh, much better than uh, the first beer that I had from Tin Whiskers, S'mores Parsec Porter. A little sweeter than I prefer, but the flavor's phenomenal. Just comes in at a nice, calm 5.2%. Uh, great little sipper, especially if you're about to fire. Uh, but I'm good now, Isha. Hey, if the show started at a 6, Hoppy, it ended at a 10 because of that. So signing off, I'm Isha Jerome alongside the state of Hoppy. This has been the Soda Pod presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks to Platt for joining us. Uh, Folks, don't fear. Just drink some beer and stay well.